On today's episode of the Nostalgia Test Podcast, we invite Brian Colburn from Playlist Wars to celebrate our one-year anniversary by putting Billy Joel's Greatest Hits Volume 1 through 3 to the ultimate test. And immediately after the episode, we go back in time for a little bit to where it all began. Episode 1, Cocktail. Welcome to the Nostalgia Test Podcast, the show where two longtime friends put their mainstream pop culture past to the ultimate test, the Nostalgia Test. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Nostalgia Test Podcast. I'm Dan Dissinger here in LA, and I'm here with my longtime friend and co-host, Manny Coelho, there in Long Island, Manny... Dude, this is not just another episode. You no, introduced I, well, this I, thing, I, welcome to another episode. No, welcome to the episode, the anniversary episode. We've been doing this for a year. Oh, wow. Dan, can you believe that? No, I, uh, I can't maybe believe I can. It. I mean, after yeah. all the Rocky uh, episodes, yes, I guess I can. Kill maybe us. it feels like two years. It feels like a coma. It feels like yeah. a coma. And yeah. uh, a couple years later... The, the son's already 25 years old. New what, kid. What do we call it? What's the uh, time travel movie we're going to call uh, it? Punch to the Future. Punch to the Future. There it is. We get the Look. Punch to the Future. That's how I feel. But yeah, everybody, this is our one-year anniversary episode. It's going to be a, like the most Long Island episode ever. Of course. Um, <laughs> got, you have to celebrate. We got to celebrate our origins. Got to celebrate. I mean, and, uh, we can't. You know, I mean, put it out there. everyone knows. Just by listening to our accents, you have, you know, <laughs> where we're from. At least yeah. mine, when I really yeah. get into it. So it's like, oh, Belugula. Uh, yeah, man. This was exciting when you told me we were doing this one. Guys, we're putting Billy Joel's Greatest Hits Volumes 1, 2, and 3 to the test today. Holy nostalgia. Oh, my but God. Dan, before we get to that, how are you feeling about this year? You know what? When I go back and, and look at where we started and where we are now, the new logo's up on Instagram. New logo it's is up. Whew, took behind a year, me. but it's there. Took a year you, to Rachel. get a new logo. Killed oh. it. Dan couldn't wait. Been talking about this logo since day one, and yeah. we got it. And now Dan, and Dan always has it behind him. We never get to see Dan's uh, house or apartment or room <laughs> he's in. Never get to see it. But me, you always no. see this white wall now. You never get to see it, you know. And the thing is, I'm on my new microphone. Got the microphone after a few, after uh, almost about like almost a year, and it is sounding good. But I'm really been having a good time. Dan, I think it's not about <laughs> how hard you get hit. It's about how you keep going <laughs> and how get you up get, and yeah. keep going. <laughs> oh my god, I am. I can't. I can't wait. I can't right. wait. But it's been a great. I think where we started when we re, when we recorded cocktail. A year oh, ago, yes. the cocktail Brian episode. Flanagan. Let's get that up, guys. We're still waiting for cocktails rating to go up. What is it? Rotten tomatoes. Rotten tomatoes. It's got to go still right, waiting for that. We're waiting for a cocktail, too. We're waiting for people to show respect to cocktail. And, you know, it, a part of me thought, maybe we should have done the one-year anniversary to return to cocktail. But I'm like, nah. Now, we, we talk about cocktails so much. We, you know, maybe some other time. We have never a lose big... your cool, never show surprise. <laughs> Douglas but Codlin. since then, when we recorded, <laughs> when we recorded cocktail to now, 
It's been quite a journey. Yes. Um, I've learned a lot about how many things we loved that were garbage and and how many things that I didn't know if it was good that I enjoyed. I think the biggest surprise of the whole thing has been, and this is for me, has been how much I hated The Wedding Singer when I returned to it. So everyone go and listen to The Wedding Singer episode. That's a hot take, Dan. Because a lot of people really like that movie. And when you say that, like, I know it's because the soundtrack is phenomenal. But the fact that you don't really like that movie, people like when I bring that up, I'm like, "Ah, it's actually not that good. Have you seen it? People look at me and they don't really like what I said. (laughs) Well, look, they can go back and watch The Wedding Singer, but there are no jokes. And one of our favorite drops comes from there. And so that's got me ball. It's a good meatball. meatball. Yeah, it's a good meatball. But the thing is, we made a joke. They didn't make the joke. Yes. And I think that, to me, was like one of the biggest surprises. And the gastric journeys we've taken, those have been terrifying. Yes, the food Um, journeys. I'm glad we took a break from them. I do want to get back to them just because they're funny. mm -hmm. I definitely am surprised about how much I didn't like Take Off Your Pants and Jacket by Blink-182. Um, since that's like something that I compared to all of them, but we haven't disliked a lot of them. So I am, I, I'm enjoying this. Of course, I hate you sometimes because you make me, uh, go back to my childhood and ruin it a little bit, but let's get, let's get into this because we could go on a tangent on that. Right. One of the episodes we should do, and I'm just going to suggest this now is that you, I know you have the list of what we have passed, what's Mm -hmm. stayed nostalgic and what's gone to the take off your pants and jacket. Sort uh, of, section. Yeah. So we should do that in the future. But like, here yeah. we are, Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Billy the Kid. Holy nostalgia. But we but, also have Yeah, it's an a amazing guest episode. Guest. Today's a guest episode. And guest that's, episode. that's we're so happy to have uh Brian Colburn from the Playlist Wars. Brian, thank you so much for being here, for celebrating our one year anniversary with us and being on the Billy Joel episode. Uh, this is a big deal. Well, gentlemen, thank you for having me. And first and foremost, congratulations on the milestone. That's something some podcasters are just trying to get through the first four or five episodes to make it a whole year. That's cheers, man. That's awesome. Very happy for you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, we are very happy about it. (laughs) I get it. I get it. I'm exhausted. (laughs) It's exhausting. Don't forget, me and Brian are out out east. Brian, I have to record these some things uh, sometimes really late. We got L.A. over there. He's over yeah. there. He's fine up and at him when we're doing all these recordings. And sometimes Dan and I will do a double recording. And I'm like, my eyes are shut and it's like 2 in the morning. And he's just about to have dinner. You know? <laughs> those, are, so, but those are the best episodes. Those are. Those go in the, the, the yeah. tangents, the nostalgia yeah. test tangents. Brian, tell us a little bit about your podcast, what you guys do. Oh, awesome. Well, Playlist Wars is a podcast that I created with my best friend of 25 years and Our show format's pretty simple. Each episode, we choose one topic, band, or artist, and then the two of us plus a guest each create our own greatest hits playlist. And the episode is basically us battling over our choices, track one through track 10. And at the end of the episode, we let the listeners vote for which one of us, quote unquote, got it right. And then at the end of the season, we're going to go through each episode and see who got the most votes to see who won each band and thus won the season and gets bragging rights moving forward. Is there a trophy? Gomez is actually working on a championship belt like WWE style. Yes. So he's oh. he's getting into this. Yes. Oh, nice. Oh, I it's love a, it. 
uh, we were talking about that the other day about the belts, and I, I had Intercon- to say like right? the intercontinental belt was my favorite as a child. You love that, that one. That's the, the white one, right? Wasn't it? No, that no, no. Was, no. Bret Hart. When Bret Hart had it for like I don't know forever, it was just like the most badass looking belt ever. Mm-hmm. Love mm. the intercontinental belt. That, they didn't that, understand why it existed, but it was were awesome. I don't know why it existed either, but I, I was like the guys who had that over the world championship. But oh god, hey. yeah, my one of my favorite matches of all time was the squash match between the Ultimate Warrior and the Hockey Talk Man in SummerSlam. Yes, oh, oh my, my god, god. <laughs> holy nostalgia! Oh my god, so we, we do have to there. get a, a wrestling episode in one yeah. one time or another. All right, so where where can we find you, Brian? Oh, that's awesome. So easy enough. PlaylistWarsPodcast.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Playlist Wars, on Instagram at Playlist Wars Podcast, or on Gmail if you want to email us, PlaylistWars at gmail.com. We post all of our episodes to PlaylistWarsPodcast.com along with the actual playlists that each person creates. So you can listen to the episode and then hear the music right underneath just in case you're having a hard time deciding. Cool. Oh. So this is fun. This is a great episode to have you on then. We always do initial thoughts. So I want to hear your, your initial thoughts about Billy Joel, when you became a fan, where you grew up. I know you're from the East Coast. You Did you grow up in Jersey? Yes, I did. You did. Okay. Oh, so there you go. Let's hear about your story with Billy Joel. All right. Well, this is quite easy. Billy Joel is one of the first artists that I grew up with. My parents introduced me to a bunch of music when I was a child And the first artists that I remember listening to on a constant basis were The Cars, Huey Lewis in the News, and Billy Joel. And the reason Billy Joel became one of my favorites is because when I was a child growing up, I had my own little record player that had lights on the bottom. It was like a Fisher-Price type record player. And one of my favorite albums was called Chipmunk Punk. And it was Alvin and the Chipmunks doing, at the time, all popular music around 1980. Wow. And one of the songs on it was You May Be Right. Really? And I kept playing that over and over again. And my father said, hey, come into the living room. Let me play you something. And that's when he introduced me to Billy Joel. And ever since that point, Glass Houses became endless rotation for me. Then he bought the Nylon Curtain, then the Bridge. And then as I got older and started buying music for myself, I started going backwards into the stranger going back into songs in the attic cold spring harbor to uh turnstiles all these older albums and i've been a fan like i said as long as i can remember listening to music you just went some deep cuts in there deep cuts oh yeah listen as far as i can remember my aunt used to have a record player as a kid i was blown away about this thing like oh, what is this you had to clean it. like she had this thing where you clean the records and stuff and i was like and i just remember i don't remember what albums they were I just remember the face of Billy Joel being on there and her playing the, the records. And I was just like, who is this? And we just listened to it. Like, I couldn't even tell you what songs back then I was listening to or like what album it was. I just remember his face, the records there, and always being on. Like, that's what it was on. Of course, because we lived on Long Island. But that was like in the, the era that it was in that she just constantly played it all the time off of that record. So um, well, I think along with living in Long Island, didn't you have to like, isn't that contractually obligated to own at least four Billy Joel albums to live on Long Island? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do know some yeah. somebody who doesn't really like Billy Joel, uh, which is 
Yeah, I'm not going to name his name because I don't want I want him to stay safe and he doesn't have to be attacked <laughs> on this. But I yeah. mean, being on Long Island, like you hear Billy Joel all the time, especially on the radio. If you're listening to like some sort of Long Island uh, rock station, Billy Joel comes up on a constant basis, it's like especially scenes in an Italian restaurant. I think that song was probably played like more <laughs> times on the radio than, you know, Stairway to Heaven. But it, it's so weird to think that also when I look through my parents' records, then they would randomly come up, The Stranger, which now I have, you know, here, you know, I took to L.A. with me and, you know, um, Glass Houses and 52nd Street. Like these these albums like just are part of the collection. And I think when you also think of um, just New York in general, living in New York, you always get a Billy Joel song, specifically like New York State of Mind. Like that song, if you're going to be somewhere where there's a lot of New Yorkers, tens of thousands of them. <laughs> that's cheap applause getting, right there. That's cheap yeah, applause. That's, that's guaranteed success. Yeah, you're either getting that song or you're getting uh, New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. So like, yeah. I feel like one or the other. Plus, if you're going to karaoke on Long Island, someone's singing Billy Joel. Like it's happening. Like you oh, can't stop it. If there's if there's like a meme that says like tell me tell me you're from Long Island without really telling me you're from Long Island, it's just somebody listening to Billy Joel or singing <laughs> Billy Joel like constantly. <laughs> Today I walked into um the coffee shop next to the, the brewery. I always have to mention Oh mention Flux it. Coffee? Flux Coffee, yeah. Get fluxed up. And I started singing I was like this, I was like, Whoa, the longest fall, the longest. Then everybody that was behind the bar, the baristas started singing. And I was like, and we live in the in Long Island. <laughs> and they were in perfect three-point harmony. Oh, everybody well. was trying to do all the different. Like, I was doing bitch, the longest fall, the longest. And they were like, ah. Like, it was so funny. And I was like, ah, I'm doing that tonight. Because they always, they're always like, oh, you recording tonight? Like, what are you, what are you testing tonight? But, um, Man, but what's crazy funny. is like, okay, yeah, we love them because... You know, we're from out east. He's New York, but he's not just New York. He's obviously popular enough that he's multi, <laughs> multi platinum. Like, he's, yeah. you know, this is not just like a East Coast guy who no. like made it just in the East Coast. Yeah. So I, I don't even think we need to waste. We don't need to waste any time going like. So for anyone who doesn't know who Billy Joel is, <laughs> there'll be a link in the show notes and you can look it up. But like, seriously, like, you know. I don't know if where you were born. Right if you're listening to the nostalgia test, then you know who Billy Joel is. Yeah, uh, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> like, or else you've been under yeah. a rock somewhere. <laughs> like, so. But. but we listened to the greatest hits, volume one, one through three. And what we're gonna do is, you know, we'll talk about them. But I think each of us, because also we have Brian on on the episode, we each made a top five from all three of them. So trying to pick five songs out of all three. But also one thing we also thought about was like. What were some songs that we were really surprised weren't there? Uh, because there were some songs that I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not even saying my song yet, but like, because there's a song that I just love that I didn't see there. Um, I was just so surprised that like some of the songs that they put together. And of course, the difference, there is a difference between the song list of the, you know, the originally pressed record to the CD. Um, but we'll put the albums to the test. The greatest hits the albums. albums we'll the put test. the greatest hits albums to the test. That's what we're doing. So, yeah. Brian, what what was your first impressions going into the greatest hits albums? Like when you looked at them and kind of were listening to them? Well, I'll tell you, going back and listening to the actual greatest hits albums was a fun, but angry experience for me <laughs> yes and there's a reason for that i love billy joel i love listening to him he's an album artist to me a lot of his 
albums come across yeah. as full statements. And mm-hmm. I get it. Greatest Hits Volume 1 and 2 is a statement in and of itself. And I can yeah. listen to that if I'm in the mood to just hear the hits. However, the radio edit butchering that is done to some of these songs yeah. is some of the worst I have ever heard in my entire life. Mm. Entire verses just lopped out of the song mm. that just make them seem like shells of the original pieces of music. Wow. So it's very hard to hear it when you expect a line to come up and it just cuts to the next chorus and you're going, the hell was that? And it sounds like a mistake. And that happens a lot during Greatest Hits 1 and 2. Not so mm. much on 3, but 1 and 2, it's egregiously bad. Mm. What do you yeah. feel like was one of the ones that like stood out the most to you? Easy. It's my actual, the one of my top five favorite songs by Billy Joel and the one of my picks, Pressure. Mm. It is such a butchering of the original song. They pulled out entire bridges. Wow. I think the Sesame Street bridge is in the original, but the baseball bridge is completely pulled out of the song. And to me, that just... <laughs> no. <laughs> That's I'm surprised he let that happen. Like, yeah. Does he have any say in the process of this or the production? He has, he has to, right? I mean, mm. I, I, I don't, don't know. know. Doesn't but... artists have say? Because who's putting out this album? The, Probably the, the, the record, labels. The label's doing it. They want more money. Yeah. Come on. This is a cash grab, right? Yeah. Hey, we put these, this list together. This is before Apple existed. You know, when you type in Apple, which I find better, like you go to Billy Joel Essentials, and someone made that list. And it's a great list, right? They didn't have that back then. So this was your Billy Joel Essentials. Yeah. But somebody had to put this together, and then they were like, we got to take this out and shorten stuff because we got to make things... Well, the only logical explanation for the shortening that I can think of is the time restraints on vinyl and cassette, because those were the first two versions to come out. Uh Then they put out the CD, and you would think without those time restraints of having 78 minutes per CD, they would have put them out in their full-length glory. But no, they gave everyone the double middle finger and kept all the radioettes (laughs) on there (laughs) until the complete Billy Joel box set that had greatest hits one, two, three, and the live album, those actually include the original versions. Is yeah. that the so, one that came in that booklet? Yes. Like, there was like the big book. Oh, I love that one. Because then he, he like explains some of the songs. Oh. The fourth disc is unbelievable. Yeah, it's all the stories great. behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the definitive greatest hits album that I would go listen to. But for the mm-hmm. sake of this discussion, I went back and listened to just the radio edits and time after time I'm going, Ooh, I apologize. Cause I think I said the baseball part was pulled. There's a very big bridge in pressure pulled out. I just don't remember from this afternoon's listen, which part of the song, but it was enough where I just went like, I stopped what I was doing and turned and went, <laughs> what the hell? Like I just forgot. Yeah. On Wikipedia, it says pressure is only three minutes and 13 seconds long, which is one and a half minutes shorter with more than a verse omitted. From I'll tell you what it means to I read it too. What does it mean? And Gone. Then not only that, like just the way you are is only three minutes and thirty four seconds long, which is one and a half minutes shorter. Verse Jesus. two is totally omitted. They could have cut another go tr- three minutes off of uh, just the way you are, and I would have been fine with that. <laughs> yeah, and the sax solo ends and fades early. My life is nearly a minute shorter. Yep. And then the same notes are omitted between verses one and two in that too. Let's see, like I said, pressure, tell her about it. it. The end fades approximately 20 seconds sooner. It's weird when you put a graded sits and it's like, let's just omit total 
like verses out of a song. I, I don't even know how you get away with that. But I guess, like you said, it's the space on yes. the actual on the actual medium. So like they said in the entertainer, they cut it mm-hmm. down to three oh five. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's the explanations yeah. right in there. Yeah. Like, that should yeah. have been song one. Yeah. So I actually Manny, think what do you the think? piano man yeah. should not have been song one yeah. on this. Uh, what do I think? I mean, the first, the, I don't really love the third volume, although there's a lot of, so, there's a couple songs on there that I had a tough time that I didn't want to choose. Like, yeah. I did want to choose them, but there's certain ones that I'm just like, it kind of, I wasn't mm-hmm. really into. Uh, the first and, and second volume, I kind of grew up on that. Mm-hmm. And then I loved the box. I definitely had that box that I definitely sat and listened to Billy Joel explain them all. I wouldn't have opened up with Piano Man. I mean, Dan, I know you were you were texting me earlier that you kind of hate Piano Man in a way well, because I guess it's like so played out. But I always feel like Piano Man should be last of the night. Like everyone's been partying. It's time mm-hmm. to sing Piano Man. Yeah. Uh, you don't open up with Piano Man. Like even when I played this with my <laughs> wife, we were driving to the beach. She's like, it's too soon for this. It's too soon. We got to put this yeah. like later. We have to like be almost at the beach for this. Yeah. One, you know, so. Yeah. I would have preferred Captain Jack or maybe The Entertainer is number one Mm. and then kind of go from there. But I do have to say, when I was first listening to this, I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I like Billy Joel anymore. Right. (laughs) And I was like, for some, I don't know what was wrong with me. I was having a bad day. Right. And I was like, would I play these all the time? And I say this to my wife and she goes, are you kidding me? Are we even married? Are you kidding me? (laughs) She's like, we're playing this right now. With her in the car and us just belting it, we, Killed it. But what I will have to say is I stopped playing the Greatest Hits album and I went to uh, Billy Joel's Essential album by uh, Apple Music and I enjoyed, first of all, the versions a lot more because they pull it from the albums and they don't pull it from this album. And there's a couple songs that got in there that I was like, oh my God, oh yeah, I love this song. And they were not in any of the Greatest Hits. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel this. I felt the same about the third one, like you, Manny, that like, but one thing I will say about the third one, when I was listening to it, I was like very, I was very confused about how which songs on the third one I was enjoying. I was like, really, I like this one because I try to listen to everything. I'm trying to be like, I'm not skipping it. I'm going to listen to whatever it's on there. And I was really surprised. There are songs on a list of like, I have like almost 15, 12, 15 songs I had to make a five list out of. And some of them from three, from the third one, a lot of them probably didn't make it, I think. Um, Very stereotypical one maybe made it. But I think I was just like, I I was so surprised with the ones that I enjoyed from that third one. But Mm -hmm. it is those first two that I would say, yeah, I grew up on those those songs. I mean, you're on Long Island, you're in your car, you're listening to either 1023 or you're listening to Q104 and like they're playing those songs. They're not going into that many of the ones from the third uh from the third greatest hits. Billy Joel's third greatest hits is the Billy Joel 80s cover band and Step Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> every I time I hear it cuz they start playing Keeping the Faith when it starts I think of Step Brothers <laughs> and that movie has officially ruined Billy Joel's greatest hits volume 3 for oh, me yeah. because <sighs> we're an 80s Billy Joel cover band. That's what that album is. It's oh, yes. Yeah. Do you know what's weird? I was talking about this the other day, how like uh, an artist from the 70s, when the 80s came up and the stuff, something happened. Like there are bands and groups that's like, oh, 
synthesizers or like th- something happened in like that step from the 70s to the 80s and even into the 90s sometimes to artists that were making music in the 70s like i love rush but when rush hit the 80s there were things that were going on that band i'm like why is this happening why are they doing this like i don't understand any of these things that's going on this uh album i think was like signals or something but well, like uh, it was weird it, they, but they refer happened, to they it on pl- to- oh uh, they were probably trying to compete against all like the synthesizing, like all the pop music mm-hmm. that was going on. Like, how do you make money when all these other yeah. bands like that just came through electronic and all that stuff? So it's like Billy Joel has to try to adjust and <laughs> make money and like be, you know, popular during that time. That's yeah. what I we refer to it on Playlist Wars as the Phil Collins effect because oh. Phil <laughs> Phil Collins yes. produced a lot of albums in the 80s and he was very big in the over reverb drums and reverb on the bass and reverb yeah. on the vocals and reverb on the room they're in and reverb on the reverb. And that is how the Invisible Touch came from earlier Genesis in the 70s. That's mm-hmm. where. Eric Clapton's Beyond the Sun, which was produced by Phil Collins. That's how Eric Clapton got that sound. And I just feel like, and I love Phil Collins and I love the stuff he did in the 80s, but that was the sound. And they all were trying to jump on that bandwagon in the 80s. So they seemed like they were staying with the times. Mm. And unfortunately, it created a lot of forgettable music because it all sounded exactly the same. Yeah. Totally agree with that one. So yeah, so let's let's start. We have our top five. We're gonna like. I mean, I don't have a top five, but you two <laughs> came prepared. What you know? So you're gonna do it right off the top, right I'm, off the dome. I'm just kind of going off the dome, and I might put some deep cuts cuts in here. Brian, why don't you start us off? Your fifth pick of for your top five. We talked about it earlier. Pressure. However, I'm angry at the version that's on Greatest Hits Volume <laughs> One and Two. And the anger that he sings in that song, I emote when I listen to that version. But yeah. I love the song so, so much. The song friggin' rocks. It's Billy Joel at his angriest. It's, mm. it's a manic song. Electric keyboard should not sound the way it does at the opening of Pressure. It sounds heavy. Yeah. And that's something that the band really, at this point, they were cooking. You had Liberty DeVito bringing that drum beat. That thing had an an angst to it. And that song always stuck out in the catalog itself, let alone in Greatest Hits 1 and 2, for the intensity of it. And that's something that always resonated with me. And I still think it's one of the best songs on the Double Greatest Hits for that reason alone, just because of how different and how much it stands out from the pact. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, every time I hear that intro, I feel like I'm wa- I'm about to watch like a horror film. Yes. I'm like, what what's happening? But but it yeah, it's a good one. I definitely I I wasn't sure how I felt about it and when I was listening to it uh throughout this whole week, I was like, All right, it's growing on me. It's not on my list, but it's definitely it's an honorable mention on my part. But. Yeah, that I wrestled with that one for a while too, and I was like, ah, where am I putting this? Like, how am I feeling? But like, I agree. That's one of like the uh, such a different song by him, and just an amazing choice to kind of the way he played that song. But but too bad they butchered the hell out of it. But yeah, the, the, the version on Greatest Hits one and two. If we were choosing that version, it would be down near the bottom. It would definitely be above second win, though. I really don't like that one. But otherwise, <laughs> sorry if that's your guy's number ones. I apologize. No, 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 no yeah. Manny, you're number five. Do you have one? 
Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with. I mean, it's a sad one, but there's so much behind this song. Good night, Saigon. Oh my I god. Think, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. It's so sad. Um, but he has such a way to tell that story and honor people. Like, yeah. there's another one that I like that he does that I'll bring up. But we're on this one. Good night, Saigon. Just always got me. Like, it's such a slow intro. I was like, is it even on? I forgot about the helicopter part. So, like, it just puts me to the feeling of what it would be like to be those young guys going to war. Uh, so, Dan and I have a friend that we always mention. Uh, Matt used to play this all the time. And uh, I-, I totally like listening to it just because it makes me remember the time listening to it with my friends. But just, like, slowing down for the moment and, like, really getting into it, like... And like the part when like every like it's kind of like an acapella part like mm-hmm. when like you're all and we'll all go down yeah. together. That's like the feels. I'm getting chills thinking yeah, about. I'm it. literally like, getting them when you just just mentioned. You know, that like part. remember like when that part comes on and like you're waiting for it. And I stopped. Like today I was working and I stopped when I was listening to this because I was like I, I don't want to think about anything else except for like the pain that was going on through these kids. I mean, they were kids going to war mm-hmm. i mean this is crazy and there's a part in new girl if you ever watched that show where schmidt he's in the <laughs> i was gonna he's, bring he's this in the up. lounge he's yeah in the he's lounge. in the airport he's in the airport lounge for the first time he's talking to this rich guy and the guy gets all uh starts to like degrade his girlfriend he's, he's like shut up you dirty old bitch 516 all up in your lounge lounge he's like billy joel <laughs> Good night, Saigon. That's a sad one. I thought that was the best. L I R R. L I I R. So I thought that was the best scene. Part. That scene itself was like so Long Island. It was five one six. Five one six. All up in your lunch. Long, Long Island. Island. But really when I uh, and as he's getting teared yeah. away, he's like, "Good night, Saigon." That's, That's a sad, a sad one. <laughs> That song is very special to me. My father served in Vietnam, and mm. uh, the last time that I went to see with him and some other people in my family, we were at the garden to see Billy Joel, and he played Goodnight Saigon, and when they were playing it, I looked around, and in our section, there was at least 25 or 30 people, my father being one of them, standing at attention the whole song. Wow. I started bawling like cuz you look mm. around the and everybody's singing and having fun but then you look and every veteran mm. was standing at attention the whole song and they brought a bunch of NYPD up on stage to sing along with it. I mean, I was bawling my eyes out. It was such a powerful moment. That song is it's actually hard for me to listen to cuz when I think about that moment it just resonates so strongly, yeah. but he really hit the nail on the head with that song. And yeah, yeah. Seeing people's reactions in the crowd that night just shows me how much that song meant to them mm-hmm. as well as to fans of Billy Joel. Wow. Yeah. So my number five pick, I wrestled with this one. <laughs> I texted with Manny about it, but I put Piano Man at number five on my list. And <laughs> <laughs> big reason is I was just like, am I putting it on at all? It's like one of those songs to me where I'm like, I've heard it 10 million times I know it's a good song. I know it's part of like the Billy Joel canon and whatever. But I was like, do I want to bring this on the list? And when I went down, I was like, we're putting it at number five then. And I like the song. I think it's great. I just have this really weird relationship with it. And I think it's because the comedian Matt Bronger has ruined it 
for me most of the time when he said on an album that this song is just Billy Joel uh, bragging and just looking at people in the bar going like, Davey's still in the Navy. Pfft, look at this guy. Like, <laughs> and, and so, but, so when I hear it, I'm just like, and he starts talking about how great he is. It's like, everyone's like, we didn't put bread in my jaw and say, man, what are you doing here? And oh my God, I'm the piano man. And it's like, so it's got this weird like existence now when I think of it, but I couldn't deny that it's a good song. So for me, I put it at number five. It's the fifth song on my list. And uh, because to me, I had other songs. I was like, I want to give this more space. I remember one thing about this, this song is that when I got married, <laughs> my family from Canada, who's obviously not from here, they all hugged me and we sat in a circle and we all belted this song. And that was like a really special moment for me considering we don't get to see each other that often. Mm. So like that's what this song does. And mm. like I actually didn't put it on the list. It's just kind of there. Like it's yeah. it's just – it's like Billy Joel. Kinda, like you don't need to put it on the list. It's just, it's just there. <laughs> like, so that's why I was like I don't even have to put it in there. But Yeah. Billy Joel piano man. <laughs> yeah. Like Bill Joe was a piano man, so you got to. He is the piano man. Yeah. That's his name. That's yeah. what he's he's known by. <laughs> Actually, piano. I'll be perfectly honest. It was on my list. It, it's not on my list now. It was on my list probably about thirty seconds before we hit record to record tonight, <laughs> and I did swap it out because uh -huh. I love the song. And I don't want to spoil too much, but we have a Billy Joel episode coming up on Playlist Wars on July 13th. Shameless plugs. And there's a lot of discussion about Piano Man and a lot of shocking revelations about that song. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'll just leave it at that. So let's totally, leave that as a teaser right there. Yeah, Guys, total tease there. I'm so sorry about that. I feel like such fine. a shill, but... Shameless plugs. Shameless, Shameless plugs. plugs. I know. I'm so sorry. Shameless plugs. Awful. Don't worry. Don't worry we have drops it. for that. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is... With tonight, in listening to the greatest hits one and two, mm -hmm. I rediscovered some songs where I was like, God, these didn't even make my playlist wars playlist. And I friggin' love this song. So I kind of mm -hmm. went in a little bit of a yeah. different direction just because we just talked about Billy Joel and for that recording that's coming up. Yeah. So I felt like these other songs that weren't fresh on my mind, I kind of got like a, ooh, I forgot how much I like that one. So my next <laughs> pick is. The song that booted it, which is going to be, you're going to go, how the hell did that boot Piano Man? And that's. Well, well what is it? Go ahead. All right. The Segway. Stranger. The Stranger. Oh. Because Billy Joel is known as the Piano Man. And that song is piano driven. The Stranger has the beautiful piano opening. Mm. But what's the part of the song you remember? It's that badass guitar riff. That 70s kind of bluesy da 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 like it's yeah. a it's a badass guitar riff which you can kind of count on one hand billy joel guitar riff songs like you've got a matter <laughs> of trust you've got you may be right you've got the stranger but they're few and far between spread out across his catalog so yeah. that song really stood out to me when i was listening to it today saying you know what i forgot just how much fun this song is and it's even better in the stranger as an yeah. album listen but even in the greatest hits the song is not the song you think of when you think of the stranger yeah, that's an interesting pick for number four like I, because i wrestled with that one and i was like and it, like i said like there were songs that i remember hearing all the time where then when i heard a song on this list i was like nah i gotta put that one on like i, I gotta i gotta put that one on yeah. i don't know what happened but like 
the strangers one of those that's like such a ah, that is a good song that's a good song it's interesting that it's number four yeah you know it's funny it's like as you guys are doing it like i said i didn't do my homework where i didn't have it prepped because i'm like i keep moving them like they keep going (laughs) it keeps going and i'm like well i want to talk about another song that's on there because there's just so many different ones that like as you listen to and i feel like and this probably happened with you brian it's like you you put the playlist together and then you're like well i had to listen it again for this podcast and it's like well, I'm in this mood now. So exactly now, this is yeah. a new play. Like this is what I'm feeling today. That's kind of how like I was going. Like a week ago, none of the songs that I that were on the list are now on the list because I was singing with my wife, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is great!" <laughs> and there's a lot of sing along going on. I'm like, "All right," yeah. so I kind of went with those now. So yeah. Well, it's one of those things where when people respond to us on Twitter and they'll say, "Here's our top ten songs," I'll look at some of their lists and go. Man, that's better than mine. Like I forgot how yeah. great that song was, and yeah. I did the research. But now that you mention it in today's mood, that song makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I, that's where the stranger just—I felt it today when I heard it. I'm like, yeah, yeah you know what? I'm going to skip Piano Man this time. I guess my next pick would be um, "She's Always a Woman." Oh God, <laughs> you don't like it, Tan? I was talking about this song yesterday, and I was just like, it sounds like he's going. Yeah, she's kind of annoying. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know about this. I don't know. I just, I think I like the sound of it. Like, to me, I read it as like a love note to like loving this woman. But like, you know, you might look at it a different way. Uh, I don't know. I just like the way it sounded. I'll take that song over Just the Way You Are any day from oh. the ballads on The Stranger. Mm-hmm. I feel like Just the Way You Are is a product of its time. It's almost up there with like, I just called to say I love you, kind of in that mm-hmm. <laughs> bucket of. <laughs> 80s cheesy ballads but she's always a woman to me is a just a beautiful Mm. piano ballad it's a song that could have fit as well on cold spring harbor as it did on the stranger Mm. and that's why i like that song because it is a throwback to that cold spring harbor singer songwriter style of billy joel i think you convinced me i'm good on that one (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so my number four is down easter alexa yes Uh, and you took away one of my lists well, I love like, that song. Dude, put it in your list because like, I have to have it at four because I'm like, I need it in there and I like that song better than The Piano Man. Like When I heard Down Easter Alexa again, I was like, this is such a good song. Such a good song. And it represents like Billy Joel's, gr- like the growth of him into that kind of artist after, because that's on Greatest Hits 3, I believe. Mm-hmm. And such a great song. And I'd rather listen to that song than Piano Man. Like, did, probably isn't this any another day. song about, like, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, because I remember this was for, like, there was some stuff happening with fishermen and the regulations and stuff, and he, like, wrote this for the fishermen, you know, during that time. It was, like, almost like a protest song. I forget what it was, but this was, like, dedicated to, you know, guys working on the rod and the reel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> bro hugs like usually i do some research for this one but i was like going straight off like emotion but like but it just becomes like this unbelievable story and i think that's the other part about uh the billy joel songs that i really like are the ones that kind of have that are more storytelling songs and for me this one has that it has like those storytelling elements it gives me kind of that feeling of when I like listen to like a really good Tom Waits song. And that's why I like this one. So according to Wikipedia, the song is about a fictional person. It decries the plight of the Long Island Bay men 
Uh, Joel was always sympathetic to them, even getting arrested during a protest supporting them. At one point, uh, he had underwritten a plan by his young boat captain to use his boat as a commercial fishing and charter fishing operation. So this song is, like you said, Manny, definitely in response to the things that were happening on Long Island to uh, the Long Island uh, Bayman fishermen. And a fantastic guest appearance from Ishtak Perlman doing that beautiful violin solo, which Uh is just it just grips you. That's a good guest spot on a Billy Joel album. Yeah. In comparison, when you have Color Me Bad on All About Soul on the River of Dreams album, that's a not so good guest on a Billy Joel album. <laughs> that's just not a good Billy Joel album. <laughs> Pretty I much. Yo, I got a deep cut from that, that, uh, that album that I like. And wow. Shades of, Shades of Gray. Dude, that song's that's got a message. Yeah, it's got a mess. Shades of Grey and No Man's Land are the two big takeaways Mm. from River of Dreams that I felt like were decent songs. And then some of the rest of it is a little more forgettable than not bad, but just there. Manny, why don't we go with you for number three? Wow. You got got me. uh, I think (laughs) you're still picking your number three. No, no, I was going to I was going to move this one up, but. I, I was going to save this one, but I'm just going to have to say scenes from Italian restaurant. I love that it sounds like two songs. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It reminds me of um one of the Bruce Springsteen songs about when he talks about meeting somebody that he hadn't seen in a while. And they're like talking about the past. So it's just, every it's Bruce just really Springsteen good. Song. Yeah, every Bruce Springsteen song. But of course, I mean, I love it. I think it's great. I mean, who doesn't know the words to this song? And then all of a sudden, like, I love how it starts slow and then it speeds up like you're in a whole different song and then it goes yeah. back to like you know being at a restaurant almost like if you're having a conversation with somebody and you're talking about a nostalgic time and whatever mm-hmm. you're remembering how fast and how exciting things are and all this stuff and then you slow it back down and yeah back in and what's weird is that song person. didn't make the original pressing like that was an nope. add-on to the cd version like to the later version which i was really confused by that because i was like that's one of his bigger songs though it didn't make my list i think like i just can't hear it anymore because uh, again just like i listened to the radio so much when i was a kid that that song just was on all the time that song never stopped that was just like you heard it it was like billy joel's like november rain to me like anytime i heard it i was like (laughs) is it over yet like i like it but it's gotta end how much are they eating at this restaurant so do you like that more than piano man or you think piano man Uh, obviously well yeah you didn't put that on your list so i would rather piano man than i think really from italian restaurant yeah i would rather scenes from italian restaurant I'm siding completely with Manny on this one. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> hey, it's okay. I, I, it happens I, I, all the time. It's it's my number two song. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's Billy Joel's Ode to the Beatles, Abbey Road. He has okay. said in interviews that Scenes mm. from an Italian Restaurant is based off of his love of Abbey Road, the second half. And that's where the song structure comes from, which I think is fascinating. But the funniest part about it is, you talked about, Dan, how much they played that song on the radio all the time. All the time. Fun fact about the song, it was never released as a single. It is not wow. a single. What? Oh, That's amazing. No, it was never released as a single. So the fact that it was on the CD pressing was because of fan demand at that point. Wow. But that song, which we all know, and it's probably his second most popular song, not a single. Wow. 
Brendan like, and Eddie I, were the popular stars. And they didn't claim the I mean, I just wasn't, I felt like I wasn't rooting for Brenda and Eddie because they spent their money on well, a waterbed. Well, you already bed, know. I like, yeah, I, I know. Like, the... Who gets a waterbed? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, okay. Like, I wanted a waterbed for like maybe like a few like. I mean, that's why the divorce happened. <laughs> the waterbed. I mean, yeah, you yeah. cannot sleep. <laughs> With someone for ten years, no, ten minutes. What are you talking about? Ten, yeah, I mean, someone's coming oh. in there with keys, popping that thing. Like oh. first, it's no. My uncle had a waterbed. I, I was a child when I jumped <laughs> on it, and I was like, "This is fun for a moment." And I was yeah. a child, and I was yeah. like, "This is not good." Like, yeah. these people get seasick all the time. You're yeah. giving them a waterbed. Who has waterbed? I think a part of me, and I think I said this. Do they still our- exist? Yeah. Of course they do. Waterbed fails in the nostalgia test. I think the problem with Brenda and Eddie, and I think I had this issue with Rocky too, was that my mind now goes to what are they spending their money on? Like, so I'm thinking about it. I'm well, like, they had to get the paintings from Sears, man. That's where, where else do you get your paintings? That line, all, that line who gets paintings from Sears? From Sears? All, like, they, they sell paintings? I guess, yeah, like, the dentist's did. office and I mean, stuff. It was like the like, home like diner of the time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now you go to Home Goods. It's like Brendan, you know, Brendan and Eddie went to Marshalls home and Home Goods. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, if you like um, nostalgia test podcast, please don't forget to like and subscribe. Yeah, subscribe and like. like Follow us on all social media outlets that you can find us and where you can get podcasts Podbeam, Spotify, I- <laughs> Apple. <laughs> All right, my number three is the only song I'm picking off of Greatest Hits Volume 3, and it's just simply one of my favorite Billy Joel songs, and it is one of the bigger known hits. However, at the time, I was able to buy my own music in 1989, and I loved the Stormfront album. And believe it or not, because we had to do We Didn't Start the Fire for history class, that's not the song, but I had to memorize it. So that part was always kind of like grating because I it all it puts me right back into that test mode every time I hear the song and I get like anxiety, <laughs> like I'm going to fail. My favorite song from that album and from Greatest Hits Volume 3 is I Go to Extremes. I feel like it's a, a perfect song, the way Billy Joel describes anyone who's ever dealt with any kind of anxiety or emotional stress in their life, having gone through that myself. The song just resonates with me on a personal level. And it's very uplifting because... You know, there's just lines in it like, sometimes I lie awake night after night, coming apart at the seams, eager to please, ready to fight. Why do I go to extremes? <sighs> Anyone who's ever dealt with anxiety in their life in any form, good or bad, you could feel that. And it's a poetic song. It feels good. Sometimes a song just makes you happy and that's the only reason you like it. Yeah. That song just makes me happy. It's a fun, mm. upbeat, 80s Billy Joel era song. So go to extremes. I, I love it's a great song. I, I didn't put that on. So because like my number three was what you said, Brian, that you can't hear. And that's we didn't start the fire. Um, OK, it's just an unbelievable song to me. I remember seeing him play it live on like the Grammys or something like that when I was mm-hmm. a kid and being like, oh, my God, this is like a song. Like, what is this? <laughs> like, I can't even believe what I'm listening to. And then. Manny knows uh, uh, probably another reason why I love this song, because Manny and I, when we drove cross country with our friend uh, Dave, check out the Jada Kiss episode uh, with Dave. We were in New Orleans and (laughs) we somehow stumbled into some bar and they had karaoke and Manny and I are like, we're doing we didn't start the fire. Let's go. And (laughs) 
That is and, my go-to and uh, we carry did, the song. I, I doubt we sang any song, any words. Like I don't think any words happened. I think no. we just, I think we just were up there going like Billy Joel, and then like trying <laughs> to sing the words, and it was just so, a disaster. But so it's such a it's, good memory. I love oh, this song. It's a great Number memory. three on my list, definitely. Whoever's well, listening look, to this and knows me, they know that that song was going to be on the list because it's my go-to karaoke song. There are times that I don't even need to look at the words. Uh, if I'm in the zone, I can just do the whole song. Sometimes I make up some of the words and it sounds like what I'm, they're supposed to say. But um, there was a time, there was two times. There was a time in New Orleans that I sang it really drunk. Another time, there's a story <laughs> where I was at Breckenridge Mountain with my friends from college. We were in a ski and snowboard club and somebody signed me up. And they, they, they just played that song. They knew I liked that song. And I was cursing. There was kids, by the way, there. It was 5 <laughs> o'clock on the ski mountain. And I was like, what else do I <laughs> Like screaming. I dropped the mic. People, I was having a blast. But they were not. And like, <laughs> I thought I was like, everyone was enjoying it. And I dropped the mic. Only my friends are cracking up. And everybody's like, terrified. And that's a nostalgia test tangent. Obviously, that song could just keep going and going and going. It's a history lesson. Yeah. I think he talks about how, like, teachers in history, they'll just be like, listen to the song and then write an explanation of everything that comes up. Mm -hmm. And you basically just taught a history lesson. And you so, see what like, I love? I actually love the song. I crapped on it before as part of a joke because <laughs> I literally remember that test in seventh grade. And one of the questions was, you ready? Buddy Holly, Ben-Hur, Space Monkey, Mafia, Hula Hoops, what's next? Castro. That's L-I-T-H-O-L-G-Y Brewing. Yeah. Good. You see, you would have gotten an A, but you're sitting there in your brain and you're like, because they, they spoke the song out, so it took... This song, and I'm sitting there like, give me a second. Buddy Holly, Ben, Her, Space, Monkey, Mafia, Hulubes, Castro. But they were like, you had to like no. sing it. But the fact that they put it all together, I get like this PTSD every time I hear the song because I'm getting oh. nervous that I'm not going to get the words right. <laughs> and singing that song is so hard because it's like you have to hit every syllable. And if you don't say the words correctly in, in like um, karaoke, you're done. And if you don't know the words coming up or the names, like if you've never seen it before and you see a name on the screen for the first time, you're just like, what? <laughs> that's the it's over. It's there over. There are times that shut I just, it down, like, that's why I don't even down. look at it, Dan, because if you look at it and you're like, wait, but I've, been, I've always said Bob Dole. And like, <laughs> you know, it's not Bob Dole, right? And I'm like, I would just say it. I just oh, say it. God. I don't care. Because if you look at it and try to correct it, like you're saying, Dan, you, you're done. Yeah. You've lost yeah. The momentum of keeping up with the song. Yeah, Great it song. has to be my number three. It's so many memories around that song. Such a would, powerful song. I will say Only the Good Die Young is a uh, great tune. Uh, I think That's your great. number two. Yeah. Uh, my dad loves to say the, that phrase all the time. And I actually like the song. Why not? So weird. Dude, I'm just making this up on the fly. Well, they can, dude, they, they I, ask me they, tomorrow. And I, I could be like, you that's know, a song that New York I could State pass. of Mind. But like, that's a song New York that State I of pass. Mind to me, you could pass too. Like, of course, it's a good song. It's about New York. Of course, it's it's cheap applause song. Well, like, I had a lot at, of problems. You know, with he's New York State he's of at mind. a concert, and he's he of course when he's in New York, he like mentions every single newspaper. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I I like only the good Diane. Like really, I, yeah. I that was a song I could leave. 
Like, I was really? like, oh, God. Only oh, thing I die young. That's what I said. Come on. I, I love that song. I'm not oh, it's lie. so great. That and if you're lied to them. And if you're a fan of punk covers, Me First and the Gimme Gimme's does a great version of Only the Good Die Young. So oh, really? really? Oh, yeah. It's a lot oh, of fun. That's awesome. I, gotta I love I love punk covers. So I do that a lot on, on Playlist Wars when I pick a song. Shameless plugs. I usually throw out like every cover version I could think of as um because <laughs> I, I just enjoy cover songs uh, as mm-hmm. a whole. I See, but like Only the Good Die Young is like like um still rock and roll to me. Like there are songs where I'm just like, I can't hear this. I can't really? listen to this song. I anymore. even like still rock and roll. Really? But I mean, I wouldn't put it on the list. I still like it. I like it. It's good. <sighs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's. Do you even something... like Billy Joel, Dan? Yeah. Do you even love like Billy, Billy Joel? Joel? But like, not that song, and not you know. There's another song that I'll talk about later that I just want like erased from history. But I think okay. like this. It, I, I'm surprised that it's your number two in a top five. I'm surprised it's two. Dan, After I'm really hearing. To, I'm, Dan, this is off the cuff here. Okay. <laughs> This could be number five. And I, come on. I'm just going with it. I'm trying not to make ones that you guys are choosing. Okay? Well, <laughs> changing it as we're going. Well, that's your number two. Excellent. Yeah, put it in there. Yep. That's my I number put, two for this episode. Brian, I'm putting it down. I'm putting it down. Go ahead, Brian. Number two for Brian. Well, mine was scenes from an Italian restaurant. There you go. See, that could be my number two another time also. It's but, probably uh, but honestly, if we hit, if we stopped record and then you said to me, name five of your favorite songs from great, it could change. Yeah. It really yeah. could. My number one, though, believe it or not, is probably is the one song that I would not ever change. So, but I'll mm. we'll save that for when we get to track okay. one. Yeah, All right. yeah. My number two is uh, "Good Night Saigon." When I heard it, and I was like, "I'm putting this on the list." I was really trying to think about where on the list I wanted it, and it definitely was a fight between that one. Captain Jack, like I was like, should that be in there, like on number two or whatever? But there was when I heard Good Night Saigon again, because I hadn't heard it in a while as well, and I was listening to these things, it that one left a mark on me as a song, and I'm like, this is probably one of the best Billy Joel songs um that he's done. Here we are at number one. I mean Wait, did I say it too? I didn't say it too. Yeah, only good die young. Oh yeah. Man, <laughs> you I was about are, to say you're, Captain you're, Jack. like, are you on this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> Dude, we're just like talking said, about Billy Joel at this point. Come yeah, on, just forget about, about Billy Joel. Why are we all? Why are we? Why are we constraining ourselves what, to the list here? Come on, there's a format here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have to edit this. <laughs> all right, number one. All right, so why don't we go to Brian for his number one? Our guest from Playlist Wars, Brian Colburn, number one on your uh, on your list for this uh, episode. Well, I picked a song that, believe it or not, was not on the original vinyl or cassette but on the cd and you just mentioned it a second ago captain jack Long it's my favorite billy joel song it's a fantastic singer songwriter song and it's friggin deep i mean it's a ridiculously deep song there's something about it and i don't know why but it's always become a staple every time i go to a pool hall to shoot pool when I get to go to the walk over the jukebox and pick some songs, I love shooting pool to this song. It's just got mm. a, a great feel to it. And it's something I always equate to when I'm shooting pool with my buddies. Yeah. It's a fantastic song. It's a depressing song. Super but depressing. Yeah. And my, my band, Colburn and Company, covers it. Shameless plugs. And it's always fun when we do daytime shows and we have to change the lyrics to sit at home and contemplate. <laughs> and like half the crowd laughs, you know. But, That's great. It's just a fantastic tune, and I've seen Billy Joel 
six times live. Wow. The last time I saw him, I finally got a Captain Jack, and I was like, mm, if nice. I don't see him again, I'm okay. I just needed to see that song one time once mm. live, and it was at the Garden, and it was perfect. I saw him twice. I saw him in NASA Coliseum. Remember that eight show sold out in like seconds back in the day? Mm-hmm. I think I was in high school at the time. And then I saw him again when he re- when he reopened NASA Coliseum when NASA Coliseum got painted and they decided to make it smaller <laughs> for some reason. We actually got our beer in there. Shameless in plugs. That's L I T H O L G Y Brewing. And we went as like guests, um, oh. and I got to go see him, uh, and it was great. It was phenomenal. Yeah, Captain Jack is such a good song, and I, I think when I was listening to it, I, I texted Manny yeah. about Captain Jack, and I was like, he just sings the word masturbate amazingly it just like comes out. i'm like i'm like who it, like how did like you're you're writing this song and he's like okay and then masturbate and then he's like when he sings it it's just like so like it's just velvety it's you know like what? velvety it's, this a, is gonna sound it's weird. so gross i'm gonna bleep all this out but no, i don't think- i wouldn't no because even he sings it and you even feel like the shame like oh there's the, the shame. shame the shame yeah. I have to go get her wipe. Like, then you contemplate. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and over. The only other thing I would say is why why this song is so important to me, at least in Billy Joel's world. If it wasn't for this song, Billy Joel might not have ever broke because this mm. was a song that WMMR in Philadelphia pumped and really helped put Billy Joel on the map. Wow. And because of that, we've got a ton of fantastic albums that we might not have gotten. Yeah, I wrestled with this one between this one and my number one pick. I was just like, and, and it's funny because like even other ones, I'm like, well, I could probably put it here, but I felt like it putting it lower would have been like not the right thing. It was like for me, it was either number one or not. And I just could, uh, it was just like the one that I picked for number one for me is just the one that I wanted at what is number it? one. Oh, well, I'll just say mine is uh, The Entertainer. Long guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I feel like, Love that song. The Entertainer is, I, there's something about it. I mean, I'm not a musician, I but like I'm a writer and a poet and like I've been on a stage and I performed and, you know, do all those things. And like you have to be like at your best or an audience doesn't care. So or doing the podcast or doing whatever you do right in front of people. But there's something the way he tells that story and it, and how it builds over time, how it builds over the course of the song and it gets louder and louder and louder and more and more instruments are added. And then it kind of like just like builds to this gigantic climax as a song. I, be, I feel everything he's saying, even though like I don't share those experiences, but I'm sharing in like that kind of anxiety of being an artist and trying to like be relevant all the time. And it was, it's such a great song. It's such a great song. It's just like, it's one of my favorite songs that he's ever done. And I feel like when I went through this list, I was like the entertaining, I listened to it like more than once when I, when I heard it, I was like, I got to bring it back. And I had to listen to it again. And I feel like for me, number one, definitely had to be the entertainer, but it was a big, big debate between that one and Captain Jack. But I think for me, the entertainer definitely came out on top for me. And neither one of them were on the original vinyl or cassette. I mean, I don't understand how they made them. <laughs> That's why I messaged you prior to this recording. Like, are we allowed to pick songs that weren't on the original vinyl? Because 
kind of like a bunch of my favorite songs are there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, that's the thing. It's just like, well, it was so, it's so weird. It's like, well, you have both of them greatest hits, you know, collectively. Like, because, like, yeah. how, you know, if they're going to change it, might as well be able to, like, pull from all of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, The Entertainer is definitely my number one uh, choice. Uh, Manny, what do you got at number one well, today? We didn't start the fire. Long guy. Yeah, yeah, Number one, Amazing. I played it like five times on the way here back home from work. I play it all the time. My wife is sick of it. She's she's just like, how? What? Just stop. And I was like, I can't. When I'm feeling down, that song is on all the time. I feel I mean, like, there's, yeah. but but I wrestled. This was a this was a tough like. This list is just tough because like I'm I'm even just like looking at like I I was enjoying moving out. I was enjoying my life. Big shot like all together listening to it was such a fun time. It's a great to sequence. It's yeah. a great the the album is sequenced really well. Except for Pil- Piano Man, but <laughs> but that's just my opinion on that. But like, yeah, it's 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 done really well. Like so, like I can see like when you say like when I'm down, I put this song on. I feel like there's like a a play a Manny playlist of like No Easy Way Out, <laughs> I yeah. Had a Tiger, We Didn't Start the Fire. Just or then just the whole Rocky Four soundtrack. No, and I wouldn't even we do didn't start Eye the of the Tiger is actually not one of my. I don't really like Eye of the Tiger. Oh, I the Burning Heart one. guy. Yeah, I think yeah. there's de- definitely better songs than that. I think mm-hmm. Eye of the Tiger is meh. But here, <laughs> I love it. So we got our list, but I, I yeah. want to say there's two of them that I'm mad that aren't even on this thing. Yeah, and one of them is um, Angry Young Man. Holy nostalgia. Why is ah, that number not... one on my list of why it's not included? Amen. Why? Like, why? What? Like, look up the concert album that he did or a bridge to Russia. The version of Angry Young Man on that album is so lightning fast. You almost wonder how Liberty DeVito is keeping up with Billy Joel mm. on the drums. And Liberty always played the songs a little bit more amped up live. And in this version, his fingers are moving so fast, it sounds almost Eddie Van Halen-esque really? on the piano. And to me, it's it's his iconic opening song, that one. And if you don't mind if I throw one out, that, yeah, that go. Miami 2017. Oh, you just took it. Brian, you just took my second one. Dude, you and I, man, you and I are right Dude, there. Dude, I oh, that love song that so song. Good. That song is so you good. You talk about telling a story. So oh, my like, God. Like a whole other like life of a whole other imagination of what mm-hmm. what the future mm-hmm. might look like. I love that song. I want to play that song like with Handlebars by Flowbots because like I want to yes. do a remix of those two songs because they're both telling about a future coming up or something that's like they tell they're telling some sort of weird future. And I and I said it last night. I was listening to it. I was like, this is like Billy Joel's science fiction song. Like I feel like I'm it's sci it's like sci fi. And I was like, "This why is this not on the list? How do you make a greatest hit and not put that on the list?" I was I was livid, livid. Some people only know that song by the other name of it, "Lights Go Out on Broadway." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because my and wife's like, "I don't versions. know what you're talking about." You know, you can go to Turnstiles for the yeah. original studio version, but yeah. the the songs from the Attic version is what Billy Joel considers to be the definitive version because mm. that's when his actual band that he played with played those songs together in the studio for turnstiles he played with session musicians so he felt like the life was kind of sucked out of those recordings Mm. and that's why to me when given the choice i always take the songs from the attic version and then for angry young man i go to the concert or a bridge to russia for angry young man because it's two totally different pieces of music the way they're played live and in the studio 
Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Oh, that's so yeah. good. I love pianos. I love I, songs with pianos and like oh, that that beginning oh well, so you see, good. this is what brings me to a song for me that I'm like I wish was on there, but it's like one of my favorite Billy Joel songs that um I guess it's not on there for I don't know, it's a deeper cut or I don't know, but it's so good. And this will bring me to my other thing, but like it's like uh summer uh summer highland falls. Like I oh. love Summer Highland Falls. To me, that song has an amazing piano part. It tells an amazing story and it's a beautiful song. And I wish that it could be on the greatest hits in place of like Uptown Girl, which I can't that hear mm-hmm. anymore. I can't hear it. It once that song starts, it's like I'm just like, no. It's like you gotta stop. Like I, I don't want to hear this song. Put angry young men on. Put you know, lights go out on Broadway or whatever. Put anything else on but that. I don't want to hear Uptown Girl. I don't want to hear Uptown Girl. I don't want to hear Uptown Girl. Like I don't get it. I, <laughs> I have song. one other I song that, that song. I would replace, but it would be on Greatest Hits Volume Three, and it's a really, it's ridiculously deep cut. Can I, can I go there? Do this it, do it. it, do it. Okay, this one's ridiculously deep, but hear me out. <laughs> In 1988, I was 10 years old. I had the soundtrack to Oliver and Company, okay. and Billy Joel included a song in that called "Why Should I Worry." And the song is so infectious. It's a, it's a love song to New York, like all the others he's done. Mm-hmm. But the song is so mm-hmm. infectious. And it's so much better than anything he did on the River of Dreams. It has that like that little beat. I'm listening to it. It's got right the now. same beat and the same yeah. vibe. Mm. He's got the Yeah. Yeah. But you listen to that song and you go back and compare it to the River of Dreams. Mm. And the fact that th- this song has never been played live. The only way to get it on a Billy Joel release is to buy the My Lives box set. It's almost like forgotten about. Wow. But to me, it's one of my all-time favorite Billy Joel songs because it's just fun, period. That's all it is. It's a fun song. And as a kid, I had the soundtrack because the soundtrack also had Huey Lewis and a bunch of other artists on it. But as a Billy Joel song, it's oft forgotten. And that's Mm. why I kind of wanted to bring that one up because... It's a really deep cut. It might make people go, let me uh, Spotify that one and give it a listen. Yeah, you're going to make me look at it. Like, I'm interested in that. I've never heard Mm. of that song ever, ever. Oh, it's so good. It's got such a great groove. And then it's fun and happy. Think of it like if you watch the cartoon scene from the movie, the cartoon dog that was actually based on Billy Joel, the character. Mm. So the look... (laughs) And the and what he's wearing is all based off of Billy Joel's '80s look. Oh so it's God. really a, a cool moment because that cartoon is essentially Billy Joel. Yeah, uh, like that's it's funny. There's a song that like when I was listening to this that I thought I wasn't gonna like, but then actually enjoyed. And that was uh, there was a few of them. <laughs> there was like uh, one of them though was was so weird that I enjoyed that I thought I was going to hate. And it was a matter of trust. When I, when I saw it on the list, I was like, meh. But then I was listening to him like, I actually like this. I'm going to, I'm going to return to this song. Guitar driven Um, again, an outside, an outside guitar driven song for Billy Joel. That's right. And that's something why he actually puts that song into his set list a lot, just to give himself an excuse to get away from the piano for a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, there were songs that like I even was just like I wish I could put this on a five like moving out like I wanted it. Oh, there, moving out is was, great. I just couldn't put it on there. Did I put it? I didn't say longest time, right? Oh, no, no, too, man. And with <laughs> moving out just... again, cover versions. 
uh, the supervillains do a 90s ska reggae version oh. of Moving Out by Billy Joel with a full horn section. Oh, my God. Really, really oh, cool. Oh, man. No really, really cool. Way. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm Dan, take these notes. I need to get. get <laughs> I, I saw on. I saw the supervillains open for uh, Real Big Fish and the English oh. beat. And they played moving out. I looked at my wife. I'm like, I need that CD in my life right now. And I ran to the merch booth and bought it just for that song. I'm like, these guys sold me on that badass, awesome Billy Joel cover. Oh, that's awesome. I think we're here. We're at the end. We could go on and on. I see. So, so to to follow the actual podcast of what we do here, yeah, go for we it. Put it to the test, right? <laughs> we're putting the album to the test. Billy Joel we're putting to the, the test. Greatest we already know the, it's album. Be, yeah. but the album itself, the yep. the three albums. Yeah. Do you think they pass the test? Like <laughs> they they go past being nostalgic, and they they're still good to listen to, or you're just like. You know what? I'd rather make my own. I'll tell you right now. I'm going like, to jump in and say no. Go. For, okay. I'll, I'll tell you that the album, these albums, standalone albums, I think they need to be reconstructed. Reconstructed. You can make your own list, put it on Spotify, and make your own greatest hits. Because I'm sure the three of us and other people will come up with better songs to oh, yeah. be as uh, Billy Joel's greatest hits. Yeah, I'm going to play Switzerland on this and say. <laughs> Right from the get-go that if it we're talking about the complete Greatest Hits box set, the 4-CD one, mm-hmm. that one I will say makes the test. Like makes right it. at the line. Just makes it. But is Just it because makes the live it. helps you because you're like, oh, it's so it great puts to hear it. it. Oh, yes, it puts okay. it over the edge. But the radio edits take so much away from these songs. I love the songs, but that you need to add some tracks to this fold to make it truly pass the test. But it's okay. right at the line for me. I Because I, I love Billy Joel so much, I almost feel like I'm doing a disservice no, to say not. he doesn't pass the test. You're but not. You're not saying itself, Billy Joel. We're talking about the albums. Talking the about albums the albums. Itself, it, yeah, that, that's where it's below. But <laughs> the live version, you know, so it all depends yeah. on what version you're listening yeah. to. I'm going to agree because I think these greatest hits albums, and I think it goes... <laughs> Maybe it goes for a lot of greatest hits albums. I mean, like, I feel like one of the most popular ones is Queen. I mean, I've had the Queen greatest hits, and that was like before I even bought any Queen album ever in my entire life. Um, I still don't think I have a Queen album, but I think like with these greatest hits albums from Billy Joel, the one thing it made me do was want to just go listen to the albums. So it's to pull my record, like my vinyl uh, copy of the stranger out and, and throw that on my record player and, and listen to turnstiles and, and cold spring Harbor. So I think as an element of nostalgia, the greatest hits albums do that. They are nostalgic, but other than that, like I'm not going to go, I'm not going to be like bumping the greatest hits album of Billy Joel. I'm just going to go let's just listen to glass houses it's funny because i was having this i was texting a friend of mine uh shout out to megan nolan that like her her husband tom nolan tom, tom nolan, nolan of Cortland manor he loves billy joel and he texted and she texted me his list and i'm like oh i'll shout his list out because after we did ours and his list from the greatest hits was it's not number but let's just put it out there captain jack new york state of mind scenes from an italian restaurant and so it goes and then down easter alexa long guy yeah. and so it oh, goes. so a bunch from all of our lists there yeah, yeah. Yeah, but and so it goes. That one I didn't even. I was like, I have no. I mean, that's a really interesting choice. But a bunch of the ones that we chose, except for New York State oh, yeah. of Mind, which didn't make any of our lists. I just feel like that's a 
That's a song I listened to at a baseball game. It's just like game. another like piano. Piano Man didn't even like get on the, our list, but I think it's just like un, it's unspoken. I put it at number five. Like, it's just like yeah, you did, you did. I forgot. I put it at number five. I was gonna not have it on, but it squeaked its way right in there. Vienna. Okay, so he says great. My my friend Tom, he said it's a it's a tragedy that Vienna's not on it. Yeah. Whew. All right. Wow. Listen, we could go all day. That guys, don't forget the ju- it's July thirteenth. We have on July 13th a Playlist Wars episode where we're joined by Melissa Boylo, who's the host of Songs from the Attic, which is a radio show dedicated to the music of Billy Joel that runs in New York on WVOA 87.7 FM every Sunday morning from 10 to 11 a.m., as well as WVOARadio.com. She is the biggest Billy Joel fan I've ever met in my entire life, and Gomez and I go up against her to pick our 10 favorite Billy Joel songs to create what we each feel is the perfect Billy Joel playlist. And I will say some songs made it tonight on this episode that did not make my list really for that recording. Cause All again, right. different, different mode, different mindset. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, this, I, I could talk about Billy Joel all the time. You guys are fantastic. Oh. It's a absolute honor to be on your anniversary show. I thank you guys so, so much. Well, thank you for coming. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Brian. And we had a blast too. Like, can't wait to hear that episode as well. And tell us what you think. We'd love to see your top five. Post it in the comments. Post it on Instagram. Brian, it was such a good time. Such a great episode. So happy you're here. Happy anniversary, one year, Manny. Happy anniversary, Dan. I'll see you <laughs> next time. Damn Rocky Marathon that's going on. Guys, go check them out. But guys, thank yeah. you. Don't forget to follow us, like, and subscribe. And don't forget to... Follow Brian and Brian, where can we find you again? You can find us at playlistwarspodcast.com on Instagram at playlistwarspodcast and on Twitter and Facebook at playlistwars. Awesome. And I'm going to leave with this. Never lose your cool, never show surprise. Oh my God. Start. Go check out episode one. Check out episode one, thenostalgiatest.com at thenostalgiatest on Instagram and Facebook and at, and at nostalgiatest on Twitter. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for everyone for supporting the Nostalgia Test Podcast, and we look forward to an amazing second year of this podcast. I'm Dan Dissinger, and I'm here in L.A., and I'm with my friend Manny Coelho, who's over there in New York. What's up, Manny? What's going on? What's up? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. You got your notes? First of all, I have what I think is a thesis, a masterful like, amount of. I have every single line by the two people that were big in his life. Let's go. Let's just get into okay. it. For the first episode we did, we went back and revisited <laughs> the 1988 quote unquote rom-com cocktail starring Tom Cruise on Elizabeth Shue. Uh, this is from the Wikipedia. Cocktail is a 1988 American romantic comedy drama film directed by Roger Donaldson and written by Haywood Gould, whose screenplay was based on his book of the same name. The film tells the story of a young New York City business student, Brian Flanagan, who takes up bartending in order to make ends meet. The film stars Tom Cruise, Brian Brown, and Elizabeth Shue. Dude, Man- I'm going to I'm gonna go first on a little bit, okay? Go Just ahead. to kind of my background, why why we chose this, obviously. Let's, yeah. Because <laughs> this is my all-time favorite. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. This, to me, is the perfect nostalgia test, right? <laughs> because I don't know why I like this movie so much, okay? First of all, 
when we talked about doing this, I was like, yes. How many times have we talked about cocktail? I remember I forced you to watch this movie. Recording. Hi, everybody. Oh, you're recording. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm over. That's okay. <laughs> Obviously, this is a weird cut, but we have to re-record this uh, portion of the pod. So we had some technical difficulties, bandwidth problems. You know, Typical so- technology in 2020. Typical. Where are my flying cars? Where, you know, where are my, are flying, my cars? flying cars? Where are my hoverboards? Not the dumb one. Dude. First of all, hold on. That's not a you hoverboard. You flying have wheels, cars. bro. First of all, you don't need uh, flying cars because... Just look how bad this technology is with bandwidth. Imagine a car that's in the air that has a bad problem. It's going to fall and hit another car that's in the ground. There's more accidents over that. We don't want flying cars. Unless somehow that car can float when it's not working, which is not possible. If the car is not working, it doesn't float anymore. It's going to cause more accidents. We don't need it. Okay, so can we just have maglev at least then? (laughs) We don't flying cars humans can't handle bandwidth and you're talking about (laughs) oh my god all right people and just one other thing if it has wheels it's not a hoverboard okay so stop saying that that's a hoverboard that's not hovering that's wheeling it's basically a unicycle oh i want to go on the hoverboard that's not it's not hovering it's just a skateboard that's the other way and has power now you need power exactly (laughs) yeah all right, all right, cocktail, so right? Cocktail. We're coming we're, back to cocktail. We're uh, coming back to cocktail. I, no. I, you know what? You know what's the best part about this, Dan? <laughs> is that you don't like it, and I'm so happy we get to talk about it again. I literally thought about it. I was like, maybe we should just re-record the whole episode, but then I'm like, nah, I can't I can't go through this again. No, but, um, it's fine. But I can't, I'm so happy we get to do it again. Yeah, I mean, this section is fun to talk about. So, I mean, yeah. the, the, look, the movie's fun to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, absolutely. it's a fun movie. 80s. 80s yeah. rom-com. It's not a rom-com. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. Just to reiterate my experience with the movie, I remember watching it at your house. I was in your basement. You said, you have to watch Cocktail. I'm like, all right, obviously, I'm a degenerate. I have nothing else to do. Let's watch Cocktail. <laughs> and I put the movie on. I watched it. It then ended. The sun had come up at that point. I got into my car and went to work at Walgreens. That's my experience with cocktail. It was crazy and weird. And then I remember seeing bits and pieces of it every now and then. You know, we talked about it. We'd always quote from it and stuff like that. But then after that, I never really watched it until this moment again. <laughs> so weird to kind of go back to it. But uh, my experience, obviously, you already know it, but nobody else knows it is that I've watched this probably more than a handful of times, more than I should watch this movie. You would think that this is, you know, Casablanca. I don't know why. What got me into it? I'm sure it was my mom. She was a big Tom Cruise fan back then. This movie's great. I hate the rating. It's a 5% Rotten Tomato rating, which is terrible because who's watching it then? You need to watch it. Okay, don't give it a 5% rating. That's bullshit. 5% is for like a C-plus movie. This is at least a B-plus 80s movie and needs to be more than 5%. You know, Glitter probably has more than 5%. Glitter, okay? I mean, 5% is low. Maybe we should agree with the Google users somehow gave it an 85% rating. All right. Um, (laughs) All right. All right. Well, I think that's a little too high, but if you want to go, that's fine. But I'm going to give it an 85. I like it. I like it. I would give it a hundred. No, 99, maybe. No. 
99 based on 80s movies but not i think 90s. definitely tom cruise takes this movie he puts it on his you know very little back gets it across the finish line without him this movie is terrifying I mean, this movie would never be made if it wasn't for him this movie was made for him they're like oh how do we make this screenplay and who's gonna start it and they're like oh tom cruise oh he plays himself wasn't this movie after top gun top gun oh yes it was Dan. which is crazy to me because yes, top was. gun is such a great movie Movie. It's huge. This looks like a movie that should have came is out. Is it though? Is Top Gun a great movie? I guess we'll have to we, come to that. We need. That's a test. That's a that's, test. That's we're gonna, gonna have be to another test because because again, we're thinking it is. When was the last time you actually sat down and watched the whole oh, thing? Oh dear God! Top Gun? Instead of just know. saying Need for Speed or you know you lost yeah. that love and feeling, quoting all the like that what everybody else quotes yeah. and watching men play volleyball together naked. Yeah. We may not like it. And this is wrong that I'm saying that because I love Tom Cruise, so it doesn't matter. I'm sure I'm going to like it. But yeah. let's get talk about the okay, rom-com. Which oh, the rom-com. The rom-com. rom-com. And it was... <laughs> I mean, Tom Cruise made literally garbage writing unbelievable in this movie. I mean, the writing is terrible. The movie is based on a novel, which I am so surprised at. To this day, I am still thinking, like, this was a book. That scares me a lot. I think, to me, this movie opens up with one of the most incomprehensible scenes of Amazing. all time. You're right into the 80s with the title track. Sure. Neon, Neon, 80s music playing, Greyhound buses being flagged down by you don't know what. Why are they no pulling idea. over the bus? My question is this. Why don't they just drive him to the city? They've driven this far away, getting him onto a Greyhound bus. How far? Where was he when he got onto the bus? I don't and, know. And first of all, you're in the Navy or in the Army and you could just pull over a bus anytime you want. And there was open seat. I guess he had a ticket, but that's not how buses work. No, he didn't work. have it. Or maybe he missed the bus. <laughs> he probably missed the bus because he was a degenerate. So he probably but, missed the bus because he, he was drunk and he didn't make it, you know. Yeah, but you're right. So, then just let them drive you to the city. Where are you going? And then they're all standing there, like staring at the bus. Did you see that one friend? The one friend hits the bus? <laughs> yeah. Slaps the bus in the what butt. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like, go get him, bus. Wow. <laughs> like, what are you doing? If I was that bus driver, I'd be so scared. We're getting hijacked what are you doing you can only get away with that in an 80s movie like pull over a bus cut right in front of them that bus should have ran straight through them and the movie should have been 10 seconds long and they should die so then then it opens up right away to showing you what this movie's about it's about a man who wants to make it yes. big in new york city yeah. you get the books that he's reading mm -hmm. which is like fast track to making money make a million how to yeah. make a million this is a movie in the 80s probably around the same times that like you know, all the stockbroking movies come around. Oh, yeah. Every, everything was just about making money, business, yeah. business, business, business. Even Absolutely. though it's supposed to be a rom-com, and he's looking at the city with the Twin Towers, which is oh. a crazy scene to watch. Yeah. He holds a baby in his hand, and he's, he's like, what? we're going to make it, kid. We're yeah. going to make it, but that was some foreshadowing right there. We want to talk about oh. some complex shit, man. Foreshadowing. There was a lot. This is great writing. Oh, this is great. The first, the first two minutes of that movie told you the whole story of what that movie was going to be about millionaires and businessmen versus the guy who's struggling. You know, yeah. there was even this one scene who it lasted two seconds. There's a dog walker with 10, mm -hmm. 20 dogs, obviously making a lot of money, all in one yes. shot. He's walking these dogs. He's trained them. They're walking in unison. It's calm. And then the next shot is a man struggling to hold one dog and picking up the dog shit. Yeah. Right there, 
big comparison of what this movie is going to be about. Yeah. The rich people and the struggling working man. If you don't watch the rest of the movie, you wouldn't understand why that shot was in the movie. <laughs> Tells you the story right there. And then the baby. Like the all baby. that. We could just end the, yeah. we could end the movie right Yeah, there. just give Tom Cruise this baby. This baby, he wants to make it big and he's going to work hard to do it. And the baby's <laughs> going to screw some things up. Here we go. <laughs> but I just want to say, like, Manhattan around the late 80s and 90s, horrible. Gross. Horrible. And where did they end up? Definitely Long Island City. No, that was Long Island City before Long Island City was Long Island City of what you it is today. Yeah. I was looking at the pictures and I was like, oh, my God, that doesn't look like anything or what it looks like now. But it was no. like, crap. <laughs> so so basically his uncle in which he went to his bar to take advice from has a bar in the worst part of queens at the time yeah it seemed yeah you know? one of the worst parts of queens it was so uninhabitable that according to my uh mentor at st john's dr ganter shout out to dr ganter when he lived there he said there was so little people that lived there that there wasn't even alternate side of the street parking can you imagine that no no one's there so don't worry about like changing your car on the other side of the street wow that, that's how little anyone cared about Long Island City. So he's in Long Island City. He's getting advice from his uncle. I guess his parents are dead. Everyone that he knows is dead. I mean, he's an orphan, basically. But yeah. But dude, there was two people in this mm -hmm. that gave him advice. And it was <laughs> Uncle Pat and Coglin. Douglas Coglin. But Uncle, Uncle Pat Coughlin. gets like short chain. You might as well just give it Uncle Pat the finger. And thanks, Uncle Pat. And then 50 minutes later, come back and say, oh, you were right. The movie could have ended by him listening to just Uncle Pat. I'm just going to say a couple of quotes that Uncle Pat said. Most things in life, good or bad, just kind of happen. Mm -hmm. Huge. <laughs> then he says, big advice. You don't get rich giving things away. So on the house, at a bar, never. Uncle Pat does not do that. He even tells a story about the Mets winning. 1986, yeah. Yeah, the 1986. And one of his clients that go there all the time says, drinks are on the house. And he punched him in the face. Pat <laughs> punched this guy in the face. So he does not like giving money away. And he says, yeah. outwork, outthink, and outmaneuver. And then like Tom's character, Brian Flanagan says, you know, but you want to have fun. He's like, you want fun? Go play at the beach. Um, <laughs> Uncle Pat is tough. He's Yo. been through it all. And, yeah. you know, he still has that bar. He's got money. He has but money. maybe he is a millionaire. That guy might be putting enough money away where he might be a multimillionaire, but he doesn't look like a millionaire. And Tom we, Cruise wants to look like a millionaire, but not actually be one. And see, that's a problem. This is true because if we fast forward to the end of the movie, Tom gets a, a loan from who? From Pat Uncle Uncle Pat. Uncle Pat. So you might be right. Dude, Uncle, Uncle Pat, Pat is rolling helps. in money. Like, there's Uncle no Pat way. Uncle Pat helps him start his dynasty, his franchise. Yeah, he helped him. Not anybody else. He Nobody helped him. Else. Why? Because Uncle Pat is a multi-millionaire. And you, we don't even know it. He lives in Long Island City. It's a hellhole. His bar is... Rusty I mean, Pipes. I, but he put every penny away, never gave a damn thing away. And there he is. He's like, you know, Tom Cruise comes up to him at the end, needs a loan. Uncle Pat's like, ah, yeah. Like, because yeah. he's a millionaire. But see, this is the thing. Like, after that, Tom Cruise, like, has to go on a bunch of job interviews now. Oh, the greatest montage. Basically a statement. Everyone needs to go to college. Because he comes out of, there's two things you learn in this montage. The United States treats all their vets like shit. And Tom Cruise, Tom, Cruise, Tom Cruise plays yet another vet. And I don't know if Born on the 4th of July was before or after this movie. 
Mm. Um, I you can look it up right now. I'll look it up right but now. He plays a vet, but he plays a whole different type of vet. And he comes back. He tries to go get these jobs, and the montage is just job interview after job interview, is saying you're not qualified and you need to go to college. There, this movie must have been sponsored or financed by some sort of college or university because <laughs> there was three minute montage about how people weren't taking it because you needed to go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so born on yeah. the fourth of July, nineteen eighty nine cocktail 1988 okay all right so they realized after seeing how great he was at playing a vet that he could play one yeah of- <laughs> just put him in a good movie <laughs> but like, but the thing about this is that time is a mystery to me in this movie and this, this montage right away tells me why well not even here the bus ride how long does it take to get to wherever they are to new york right so very long then- very long because the friends would have just driven him if it wasn't like but everyone looks like great on the bus too he goes on to all these interviews in one day I, no. or like it seems like one day right it reminded me of muppets take manhattan because like in muppets <laughs> muppets take manhattan they're trying to sell a musical to a bunch of people they're muppets they're they're mm-hmm. monsters in the world and then they <laughs> end up at a greek diner and then Kermit gets a job at this diner. Yeah, well. Brian Flanagan does the same thing and then ends up at a bar. And it looks like it's a Friday's, Dan. <laughs> is, is it, it a TGI at Friday's? You believe I, it is. 100%. Yeah. The waitresses I mean, are dressed like Friday's. Yeah. Everything in there looks, I guess, like Friday's. The awning looks like Friday's. And why? <laughs> but where was, the, where was the lettering? They took it out just for the movie? I guess TGI Friday's, they didn't want to be associated with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Story. See, here's the thing. Then is this the story of the TGI Fridays franchise? Holy shit, it might be because his plan in the whole movie is to start Flanagan's, which is a bar pub that is open in malls. It's the story of Fridays. It's I mean, right? It's gotta be. Maybe that's what the movie is about. Maybe that's what the book is about. I mean, like, this is a book not just about this dope. It's about the franchising of TGI Fridays. And maybe we got it wrong. Maybe that's the problem. It's trying to be one thing when really it's about TGI Friday. It's the story of the guy who started TGI Friday. Right. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe to the Nostalgia Test podcast to know when new episodes drop. Don't forget to leave us five stars and a positive review so more people can find the podcast. Share your thoughts and memories on today's topic on our Twitter at Nostalgia Test and on Instagram at The Nostalgia Test. Tune in next time because you never know what pop culture will pop up on The Nostalgia Test.